Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we have 10 games on Wednesday night, a marquee night in the NBA. In this one, we're taking a look at the rematch from Monday night. The Sixers back at home now, taking on the, oh, excuse me, back in Chicago now. They lost at home the other night, taking on Chicago in Chicago. We also got another game video up for you and our player props. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Went undefeated last night in those player props. So we will look to continue that hot streak for you guys tonight. Also want you to head to thelines.com. Got plenty of great written content up there right now, including March Madness. That's also up on the site in full swing and we have that odds finder tool up there you can make sure you're getting the best odds available to you from all the sports books that are giving us bets this nba season nate let's go ahead and get into this 10 game slate here and then talk about these bulls and sixers rematch yeah well we went three and one in props last night of course russell westbrook did not hit the peripheral stats i mean he got his points with paul george going down with injury but no peripherals for him Anyway, we got Nuggets minus seven at Washington. Knicks plus two at Miami. That is an intriguing matchup. Not really one you want to bet on right now. The Warriors are minus two and a half at Dallas. That spread has grown a little bit. We still don't know about Luka. He's he's questionable for a third straight game here. Kyrie as well questionable. Pacers are plus nine at Toronto. The Spurs plus 18 at Milwaukee. Hawks plus four at Minnesota. Ant has a chance to play there. Totals all the way at 241. The Rockets are plus 12 at Memphis. Ja has a chance to play. He was eligible on Monday, but sat out that one. Uh, This game, we got Sixers minus three and a half at Bulls. Totals around 221. We'll talk about it in a moment. Blazers plus five at Utah with Laurie Markin questionable. And then the other game we look at is a pick'em Suns at Lakers. Totals up to 229 out there. And yeah, I mean, we're right back here in the the, uh, home and away set, as the NBA likes to do these days. And it's really a revenge spot for the Sixers to come back and finish the job. They feel like they probably had the Bulls buried in a really ugly, low-scoring game that... uh, you know, you know, it, Doc Rivers said is not the way they want to play. They they are a pretty slow paced team, but I think just generally they got really bogged down in the weeds against Chicago. I think they're going to look to push the pace tonight, and I think they might sit James Harden, who's questionable with an Achilles a sore Achilles, which would mean a lot more Tyrese Maxey and a lot more pace, and therefore it's time to pivot and take the over. Uh, at 221, I was on the under in this last one. It still went under in double overtime, uh, much to Josh's chagrin there. But yeah, I mean, Maxi is fully capable of picking up the slack if James Harden's out. His last four without Harden, 28.5 points, six assists, 30.5 usage. He's a plus 33. The Sixers have won all four of those games. They've won seven of their not last nine without the beard. And the reason they've lost two in a row against Chicago, Embiid missed the first one of those, but Maxi had a pretty good game there to get you over uh, and to keep keep up with Zach Levine, who went absolutely nuclear in that game uh, to give the Bulls a win. But yeah, I mean, Embiid was unstoppable before he fouled out in that double OT game. 46 points. He is unstoppable in general these days. You know, some might credit Harden for serving up some of his points, but really, I mean, how hard is it to run a pick and roll and then give the guy the ball at the nail and be like, all right, go to work, big man. Like, it's not like another point guard can't do that. James Harden isn't isn't necessarily uh, creating all that stuff. I mean, with the Sixers, 
it's an exhausting schedule for them right now. They they have the toughest schedule in the league, I believe, down the stretch here. They have another four-game road trip. They're just starting after that one home game <laughs> against Chicago. But they've been road warriors, I mean, right? Yeah. Seven and one, six and two against the spread since the break on the road. Yeah. Much better offense on the road than they were at home, winning by 14 points per game in those. They tend to win. When they're expected to, 15 and 5 straight up as road favorites. That's their best um, over straight up record. They're 27 and 11 against teams with losing records. Um, and, you know, 10 and 5 against the spread when they're on a rest disadvantage, even though it's equal rest here. You might want to say the overall stress of their schedule <clears throat> puts them at a little bit of a disadvantage, but they win games in that situation by 8.2 points per game. Um, so, I mean, let's look at Chicago a little bit here. Obviously, they've been winning with defense. Lately, uh, clawed their way into the play, and they now have a little bit of breathing room with Washington sputtering, um, and and they do tend to go under. That is that is true. It's why there's there's a little bit of a scare here. But um, I mean, what we talked about on Monday, it, it was was just Zach Levine hitting a bit of regression after going nuclear. Like I said, Vooch hitting regression because he has to go head to head with Embiid. DeRozan still, you know, he came alive in overtime, but he's still not the DeRozan of last year. It's it's a discrepancy in clutch numbers. Like, if we do get into another close game, uh, I think the Sixers have more with Embiid still out on the floor. And I do think there's a lot to look at with the over here because I was, I was talking about how the Sixers are scoring all these points, but in their two home games in this recent stretch, not so much. The pace is way down. The defense is better fewer free throws, way fewer threes, but it's all different on the road. And uh, I think they get it. They they ramp up the pace a little bit per Doc's, um, per what Doc wants to see. Yeah, a lot to unpack in what you said, but I'll start with the clutch stuff because you ended there. Um, and, and DeMar DeRozan is actually still one of the best clutch players in the league this year, uh, believe it or not, because of the way the Bulls are not one of the better clutch teams in the league this year. Uh, if you look at the records uh, in clutch time right now, DDR nice. I mean, DeMar is very, very his second most points per game in, in the clutch. Uh, he's got like the fourth highest uh, field goal percentage of anybody actually putting up a, a, at least a couple of shot attempts in the clutch this season. But his team is 14 and 23 straight up in the games where they have to, you know, that are within what five points in, in under five minutes. So uh, the Philly 24 and 15, you know, who gets the ball in clutch? Jo- Joel, who gets free throws in the clutch? Joel, who's been giving up the second most free throw attempts to their opponent? The Bulls, right? And that's an- another little point in the or feather in the cap of the potential over tonight, which obviously has uh, made me more gun shy when these two teams are playing. But it's a different scenario, like you said, especially if Harden doesn't play, um, <clears throat> which, by the way, Harden scored five points in the game last the other night, 14% from the field, making two of 14 and then O of six from deep and talk about a game where they could have used him in the clutch and he just buckled. And I really hope you don't have too many future bets on Philly in the playoffs at this point, because that's why you don't bet on them. Is Embiid going to stay healthy? Is Harden going to just disappear? Uh, and I think the answer to this, to the latter is a hundred percent. Yes. And the answer to the former is no. And beads here to stay. And if he stays healthy, which I think he's, he's figured out something uh, in the last three years, he'll be in the playoffs and, and they'll be looking good. And that's, that's, that's what this is, right? Like you said, you feel like the 76ers feel like they let one slip away. And really like they let one slip away because 
Embiid had to come out and James Harden just disappeared. That's that's what it is. But it wasn't if if Maxi is the focal point as the the number one guard option, right? It's a different scenario. Uh, and I think down the stretch they could have used him to have a bit more confidence and and relied on him a bit more and just said, fine, James, you don't want the ball in your hands. Then Maxi's bringing it up and we're running pick and roll. Obviously, by the time Embiid's out, we're running pick and roll with like Paul Reed or maybe Tobias Harris. Um, not the same thing, but at least it's better than James Harden just bricking everything or just giving the ball away and standing in the corner, uh, which is really disappointing. So either way, I like. I like Philly in the clutch if Embiid's in the game, and I think that he should have a better shot at that. And this one, um, the the Bulls recently they've been a little bit better on the road. I mean they're they're four and one on the road since the break, uh, and four and four at home, still playing pretty well, and, and sneakily one of the better teams in the league over their last you know five six games, winning five of their last six uh, in that time frame. And they are scoring a bit more uh, in, in transition as well, a few more points off of the fast break for them. They're still not really hitting threes, but I, I think they've got to regress upwards in this next one. Levine had a horrible night shooting. You, you called that as well. Um, he still almost got his points because he got to the free throw line ten times, um, which I don't know if you want to rely on that. Philly has been limiting free throw attempts since the All-Star break to the tune of like fourth best in the league, but it's not like Chicago necessarily relies on that anyway, as they're still scoring like top four uh, most amount of points from the mid-range, which is another good place to be able to try to score off of this Philly team in between any of the guards and and Joel, basically, right? That's that's where you want to live a little bit more because you're probably not getting all the way to the rim, but that's not where Chicago's trying to do. They're not trying to get all the way to the rim. They're, They're definitely pulling up a bunch more uh, and I, th- I think they can get, you know, their their 115 points per game that they've been scoring at home since the All-Star break in those eight games. Like, that's a pretty good number. It's it's funny because it's an 120 offensive rating that it's taken to get 115 points for them because they're playing at a 94 pace, which is second slowest at home in that time. Once again, like, makes you a little bit nervous. But if you look at the effective field goal percentage, right, which takes into consideration and true shooting, like, where you're shooting on the floor, they're in the top 10 in, in, in those numbers because they're not going all the way to the rim. They're getting a bit more of a, a boost in that percentage from the fact that they're shooting from further away and making those shots, like I said, from the mid-range and a little bit better from deep than they have been um, in the past. Like, we were talking about the other night, and, and I was mentioning that they've hit uh, 12 threes a night since they, they came back from uh, the All-Star break as opposed to the eight that they were hitting in the month before the, they, they took that break for, for their All-Star weekend. So, um, yeah, I, I think the, the three-point shooting will be there once again for Philly as well at home. They've been making 15 threes a game since the All-Star break, which has been good enough for, you know, top six in the league um, and, and getting a bunch more offense there. I mean, they're 130 offensive rating on the road. I, if I said at home for, for Philly, I've been meeting on the road this entire time. Like you said, Road Warriors, 7-1, and one, 130 offensive rating over their last eight on the road. Uh, when they've been going 7-1, and one, we know they're going to get a ton of free throws and winning by 14 points per game. Uh, and it's not like everybody's been a slouch on the road that they've been playing. They've got plenty of, uh, of quality opponents in there that they're managing to come away with those victories. Uh, and I'm going to continue to believe in them tonight, and they're going to be pissed. Uh, and I don't think there's much that the Bulls are going to be able to do to stop them, which is another reason why you might consider that Philly team total as one of the better bets in this one as well. Yeah, and a 97 pace in those road games, five of them going, five of the eight going over versus like 92 at home in the last three now. And these are the two slowest pace teams in the league since the break or in March. Um, so that is really where you worry is is like, is this going to be another game where you're just like, holy shit, it's 90-90 in the fourth quarter. Like, I didn't know that's still possible in the NBA, uh, but I don't think so this time. I, I definitely don't think so if Harden's out. Um, I mean, this is how you, you, you manage sports betting. Like you stay ahead of the curve. You look at like Levine regressing. Now we're looking at Levine popping again. I mean, he's, he's getting plus money to hit three threes tonight after he hit 11 
the yeah. previous one before he had, he went two for nine in this last matchup. So like, that's what we're going to hit. We're, we're looking at the Sixers to win this game. Now that the spread's cut in half. Uh, and we're probably looking at the over here. Although that probably is the scariest of the, of the bets here. Um, I think yeah, Sixers money line is probably where you want to start here because of the clutch numbers that we talked about, like Chicago, right. just, just not, not it. And, and I mean, three and seven in one possession games this year. And, and while they've been better against top teams lately, uh, I think Philly has enough motivation right now to just come back and, and get this one. Um, and like you said, there's nothing you can do with Embiid. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, this is a true test to, to sports betting in the sense of like, trust the numbers more than trust your eyeballs and what they saw two nights ago, because it's just not the same thing. It's a, it's a situational uh, scenario here. And, and this is a different situation than they, than they were in on Monday night for a couple of the different reasons. Like we talked about the, the potential lapse or la- lack of Harden um, and be remaining in the game uh, no matter what. And, and just things going over a bit more for Philly on the road with the way that they're scoring a ton, a ton of points and playing pretty good D to be honest, but just scoring so much and playing faster than they have expect that the, the pace tonight, uh, once again, I would expect to be, closer to 97 98 than the like 95 that they've they've been playing at at home so and then this game yeah the suns are a slight favorite minus one and the total has been bet up from 227 to 229 um deandre aiden is out hip ruled out as we know kevin durant has been out and i feel like the suns are in such a tent of tentative situation, right? Tenuous situation. Yeah, there you go. Uh, right now, that if they lose any of those three guys between Aiden, Paul, and Booker, that they're they're just screwed. And sure. and you saw, I mean, they were able to sustain losing KD in warmups and still beat the brakes off OKC at home uh, by thirty one. And then without without Aiden, they lose their fourth and fifth games. Uh, and, and you know the other ones are excusable. In terms of the losses without KD to Sacramento at Golden State against Red Hot Milwaukee, but then that one, you know, really raises some red flags, especially when you get outscored fifty-six to forty in the paint and you give up six, thirty-six free throws to OKC. Uh, they're now two and four. Their last six roadies without DeAndre Ayton, um, and they're one and two in, in their last three roadies before the KD trade. They've now lost five of their last six on the road in the conference without KD. Um, you know, that goes all the way back to their really weird shorthanded win over Golden State, uh, which didn't really make any sense. Uh, I mean, and it's just a depth issue, right? When you trade these guys and when you didn't really have a great bench to begin with this year, now you're looking since the trade, the, the Suns are 19th in bench scoring, 25th in field goal percentage, and 26th in free throws from their reserves versus a Lakers team that's suddenly deep, right? It's just like a different situation where you're like one team was super thin, one team, and now they're bolstered in the Lakers and they're second in points per game, fifth in field goal percentage and most free throws off the bench with Jared Vanderbilt and company and, and, and your boy, Austin Reeves um, scoring off the bench now in a much more comfortable role. So, I mean, I, I'm not looking at the, the the six game win streak the Suns have over the Lakers in the regular season as taking any stock in that. I mean, these are different teams. The Lakers are very much a different team. LeBron didn't play in any of the last three of those games. And of course he's not playing tonight, but AD missed two of the last four, the last meeting in particular, no Bron, AD or Westbrook. So it's just like a skeleton crew. Um, and the one time AD did play, 
he had 37, 21, and five steals and five blocks with DeAndre Aiden out there. Uh, he can own the paint for sure. The Lakers also outshot the Suns 35-5 to at the free throw line in that game and only lost because they went 4-for-22 for from three because, again, it was a different team with Pat Beverly and Troy Brown starting, and we've talked about this all the time with the Lakers. Don't look at their entire season sample size. Look at what they've done basically since March started, uh, which is, you know, number three limiting pain points, number one limiting assists, um, you know, Oh, that's that's the Suns. Excuse me. The the Lakers also number two defensive rating, number one three opponents three point percentage, right. number three limiting free throws. So both these teams playing elite defense, especially in close right. games in the clutch. I definitely would lean under. You could not tell me to to take an over in a Lakers game uh, at home right now, unless they're maybe playing like I don't know the Kings or or the Hawks or something. They've gone under nine of their last ten at home. The games have averaged two twenty one. Uh, the pace is, is decently fast, but it's just their defense is really good. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think you go under here, especially with the total rising to 229. That seems too high. And once again, l- let's look at the clutch numbers. I mean, this is not the Suns of last year. And on the road this season in the clutch, they're 4-11. and 11. They have the third worst defensive rating and uh, eighth worst net rating versus the Lakers in March. Third best net rating in the clutch. So if it's a close game, I'm, I'm taking the Lakers. Yeah, I think it's a good call, man. Um, I, I definitely would be terrified of an over, like you said, in this one. Uh, it's, it's interesting because DeAndre Ayton is their center, but like he's not necessarily the most important for things like – I don't know, down low stats, like points in the paint. Uh, he's he's scoring a lot. I mean, if it's a point in the paint that he's scoring, it's because it's a jump hook, right? We we know that. It's not going to be a dunk. Um, it's probably not even going to be a layup. He's not getting all the way there. His rebounding numbers are not necessarily crucial for the Suns uh, on the on-off stuff. I, I, I don't bring this up to say he's not important to the team. I say he's important to the team because he scores. Uh, that, that's why he's important to the team. He gives them another option that he can make a jump shot from 15 feet in. He can't, and obviously when he's down low, he's just pushing it right over the defender because he's seven foot one and no one's going to block a baby hook uh, for someone that tall, no matter how tall you are, until Victor Webb gets here anyway. So with that in mind, uh, for this game, I, like, what do the uh, Lakers do in the other air, on the other areas of the floor? How do they defend the mid-range? How do they defend, um, you know, those offensive rebounds that, that the the sort of scrappy guys on the Suns, like the Tory Craigs on their team now, are going to be looking to get boards? Obviously, that was a much more uh, dangerous proposition when you're playing the Suns, when they have Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, um, when you're and even Jay Crowder who didn't play this season but in years past guys that were crashing off on the board and getting those scrappy points like they weren't coming from the center but they're not going to be getting they're, they're going to be pulling the ball from the mid-range they have Chris Paul they have Devin Booker they're going to be trying to shoot anywhere from you know nine to 16 feet away essentially for the majority of the game let's say 10 to 16 feet away uh, and the the Lakers in in a couple different articles that actually have been written on the lines.com one that I put up about the Lakers in the last few weeks um, have have become a good team on defense after making trades for guys Guys like Vanderbilt, uh, even Beasley, and then Ruri Hachimura, guys who can guard that portion of the floor uh, because they're wit- tall wing defenders that they didn't have, once again, since they lost Kyle Kuzma and KCP. So they're back to being able to guard those areas of the floor, and that's what matters against the Suns. So um, 229 actually feels a little bit high for a Lakers game at home. If you look at the uh, advanced stats and, and some of the pace numbers, the Lakers not going as fast as they were. We're used to seeing them in a top three, four pace in the league over any kind of 
three week sample size on the season. Uh, and it's just not the case in the last couple, obviously LeBron, not there. Um, so it's not the same in Russell Westbrook, not there. So it's not the same, uh, in terms of trying to get the ball off the, the defensive rebound and just push, uh, which is also why those, you know, the fast break points aren't necessarily there as much for them. Um, but Phoenix just, they also haven't been as good on defense, which is why I just, I would never feel comfortable betting on them right now. Uh, I, Chris Paul's not the same Chris Paul because what they need from him is points. And that's what he's not giving you this season. We, we know he can dime you up. We know he can uh, control the game, f- make guys open, create guys to be open uh, with his with his handles and the way that he runs the offense. But that's not enough if he's also not a, a threat to shoot. And if you look at how many shots he's been taking uh, in, in the month of March, it's like eight a game. Uh, and it's just not enough right, for them. And it, it, that's because he doesn't feel comfortable taking. He's not shooting a good percentage, even with the low attempts right now. So uh, that's why it's like 229. I, I do lean under. That, that kind of is my first bet. Um, but the Lakers at home with AD without anybody to even give him any kind of resistance at all right now down low. Like you got to expect a big game from him without, uh, you know, a, a true center in there for Phoenix. Um, and that's why I, the plus one is too much as well, in my opinion. Well, Bismack Biambo nope. is a true center nope. defensively, Stop but it. he is a non-factor on offense. So again, in support of the under there. Yeah. He's going to have to play big minutes, do his best on AD. He might wind up in foul trouble though. And then you get Jock Landale as a, as a nice uh, doormat for AD. Uh, and that's the biggest thing defensively. If you say where have the Suns struggled, um, they're dead last in opponents free throw attempts in the month of March. And so, yeah, now you get a Lakers team that is top three in the percentage of points off free throws mm-hmm. right now uh, since losing LeBron. That's obviously where they're hanging their hat. Yep. And again, I mentioned the bench, the bench support that they're now getting. Uh, but, and it's all about Devin Booker. For, for the Suns, obviously, he's done his best to carry them since they lost KD in four conference games, averaging 38 points, but three and a half assists and three turnovers. And good good shooting splits, getting you the points, but he's only plus nine. It's kind of like a Damian Lillard situation where you're lighting it up, but the other team is loading up on you, forcing the ball out of your hands, forcing you into some turnovers, getting points off that. And nobody else is getting going. Because like you said, yeah, Chris Paul's old. And there's just no not much supporting cast around him. Uh, Aiton was a huge reason in these last four against the Lakers. His offense, 20 points per game, 147 rating. CP3 also pretty good. But, it, I mean, limited minutes. Some of these were blowouts. Like I said, nobody really played. And Booker's last four regular season at, at crypto against the Lakers, only 21 a game. Again, four turnovers to four and a half assists. So I, I don't necessarily see him lighting it up uh, the way he has been. But even if he does, uh, I just don't think there's enough around him to get the Suns this win uh, against a really desperate Lakers team. Like let's let's we probably should have led with the fact that they're half a game behind Mini and Utah right now to get a play in spot, and it's absolute desperation time. Whereas the Suns, yeah, they might lose the four seed and and be four five against the Clippers. Uh, but they're pretty secure in their position versus the Lakers. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I, I don't want to say the Suns are not trying their hardest uh, to maintain here. I, I don't think they're necessarily 
they think they have a shot at the Pacific or, you know, a top three seed necessarily, uh, but they got to keep that four seed as well. And, and I, yeah, I expect them to try, but at the same time, like if you look at, like we we're saying where the Lakers are good, obviously great on defense and great on defense down low, limiting uh, centers, limiting also shooting guards, which is something to think about for, for Devin Booker over the course of the, you know, the, the game is, is if, if he's not able to get his quite as much because they're focusing on that, the way they have uh, in their last 15 games, basically since the trades really locking down that position a lot more than others, giving up a ton of points and stats to point guards. Um, but I just don't think we expect the, the points to come from the point guard spot and Chris Paul tonight for the Suns. It's got to come from Book more than anything, who's really carrying them on offense above all else, especially without Aiton. Uh, and I just I don't think that's enough to get us to 230 tonight either. So I think we're, we're, we're feeling good about this total under here. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump right into your first NBA player prop for tonight, Mr. Triple J. Jaron Jackson Jr., yes, is John Morant going to play tonight? Perhaps, but Dylan Brooks is suspended. And as we know, the Grizz are without Steven Adams and Brandon Clark the rest of the way, probably regular season at least for Adams. Um, so Triple J is going to be operating more as a center against a Rockets team that gives up the six most rebounds to centers in their last 15. They give up the most blocks per centers on the season. Uh, you know, they have a young team that will try to attack the rim. And that definitely means good things for the league's leader in shot blocking. Uh, you can get plus 125 for him to have five steals and blocks, which is what he's averaging at home in 2023 versus just 3.2 stocks on the road. Uh, so a slight uptick in rebounds and points, averaging 19 and a half at home in uh, the new year here. Without Dylan Brooks, his rebounds go up a little bit. Without Steven Adams, his points go up four per game to 19 and a half. His minutes go up four to 30 per game. With or without Ja, uh, I mean, it's it's still pretty similar numbers. I mean, he's scoring 20 points per game his last 15 without Ja on a slightly higher usage rate. I don't know if we're going to see a, a, you know, uh, balls to the wall Ja Morant here if it's his first game back. I mean, he had to miss a game for conditioning. I don't know where his mindset's going to be. He might be feeding Triple J against a really poor defense, a Rockets team that is a 125 defensive rating on the road and plays faster on the road in the new year again. And I mean, look, triple J is showing his, his offensive arsenal lately. Yeah. He's he, you know, granted with jaw out. He's got 28 points per game and six and a half rebounds on a 31% usage rate. His last four, definitely doing it inside and out. Uh, as he said, there's not much resistance down low with, with Sangoon, probably the starter for Houston. So I would Add the rebounds here, 25 and a half points and rebounds gives you better odds than just 19 points for, for Triple J. Like I said, the stocks has a huge plus odds to it. Uh, I guess the concern here is a blowout and then him not getting the minutes necessarily. He did have four stocks 
in a massive blowout against Houston last year at home. Uh, I mean, there's definitely a potential he gets those defensive numbers even in three quarters. Yeah, it's it's not a, a, a bad bet by any means. Uh, I mean, adding the steals in there is probably a good idea. But I think something that you might be able to lean into is he needs to score. And they know he needs to score. And he can't score if he's not on the floor. And he's not on the floor because he's fouling. And if he's fouling, it's because he's going for blocks. So my logic there is like the only thing that makes me stay away from the blocks and the steals is, hey, dude, we know that's your thing. But like right now, you're our best scorer. I know that that's hard to believe. Uh, and Desmond Bain has been a little bit cold. So we like kind of need you to score, which means you have to stay on the floor because there's incredible splits for him uh, when he gets like thir- less than like 25 minutes because he's got four-ish, five-ish fouls, his numbers just go way down, unsurprisingly. And, and the, the the Grizzlies' numbers go way down with it. So just using that game theory, like, I'm, I'm going to stick with the points and the rebounds for dude. Um, even if, if Morant plays, like, he's got to be option 1B at this point. I think they know they have to rely on him rather than just the style of play that Ja has of driving kick every time. So um, let's stay in this game real quick and go under Mr. Jalen Green. We got to fade the youngster here, 27 and a half points and boards. If you go under that, it's minus 118 at FanDuel. Um, they are on the road for this game are the Rockets uh, in Memphis, where we know what that Memphis defense is like, especially at home. Uh, 16 points per game in his last seven road games for Jalen Green, two boards in that time frame and about three and a half assists. That's all with a 30% usage. So he's shooting the ball a third of the time that his team is putting it up. Only 29.6 minutes in that time as well. Like basically 30 minutes a game with that 30% usage. But um, really bad splits there. 31% from the field. 21% uh, from deep. And just a 90 individual offensive rating in that time. That's good for minus 78 while he's on the floor for that squad uh, in those last seven roadies. Like I said, on the road in, in this season in general, 18 and a half points a game and just three rebounds. Um, not nearly enough of what you need for that 28 for him tonight. Uh, he's only topped 20 points uh, twice so far uh, in January on the road. That's against Indy, Philly, and the Lakers. Um, and yeah, the, the that Indy defense, poof. And then that the Philly uh, Philly defense against guards, also very bad. The Lakers, we know that that's the only place on the floor you can score from. Um, so I think there's some pretty good reasons to fade Jalen tonight. These numbers being a little bit bloated uh, by things he's done against teams way worse on defense uh, than you're going to get from that Grizz team tonight. Yeah, I mean, that's only 20 points in all of 2023 on the road, uh, not just January. Ah. But it was the Lakers in January back when they sucked on defense is why. I uh, I put that note in there, but yeah, I mean, this is only his second road game at Memphis uh, as a rookie early in his career. He had a really rough 15, two and one line in a 34 point loss minus 37. It's hard. You know, that's, that's uh, hard to do, but that is. he's had a couple of nice games at home. I mean, really one nice game at home against Memphis, but he's such a bad road player at this point in his career. Like the, the splits are so stark with his shooting. And the Grizzlies are so good on defense at home that I think this is just a great opportunity to jump on that uh, and add the rebounds because Jalen actually has zero rebounds in two of his last five road games, I believe. So he's not necessarily going to be banging down low there. Uh, So the Pacers are, you know, not necessarily gunning for that play in spot. They might sit Tyrese Halliburton again tonight. I I think you'd rather Halliburton's playing if you're going to take Follow me on Pascal Siakam here, but you would like Scotty Barnes to be sitting, which he might actually sit. I mean, I don't think he's missed a single game this season, but last season he missed six and Siakam spiked with 27 points and eight and a half assists, played 42 minutes with, with Scotty out. 
I'm going to see a lot more ball handling. Um, and he's another guy with just crazy home road splits. And it's gotten more and more stark lately, late in the season. You look at just since February 1st, he's averaging 26 at home versus 19 on the road. 125 offensive rating at home, 104 on the road. And Indy should not be a difficult team for him to score against. They give up the fifth most points to power forwards in the last month here. He's averaging 24 and a half and seven dimes in his last two against Indy, shooting 60% for the floor. That one of those was just a massive blowout at home. And he still played 31 minutes, still got 23 points, which is where his props at here. I think you can tack on six assists to make it 29 and a half points assist for better odds. Uh, especially if Scotty Barnes is out, because I just think he'll be distributing and, and and handling the ball a little more. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I, I hope he's doing that. We need these Raptors to keep winning, uh, and we need him to play, you know, as well as I, I would say he has, um, especially against, you know, teams in, in this division uh, and, and teams around them, not the division, but uh, teams close to them, you know, in, in the, the play-in uh, right now for the for the Eastern Conference. Like, the, the Raptors have been playing better against those teams, if you look at it. And, and like you said, uh, the power forward numbers against the Pacers have been pretty, pretty high lately um, as, as they're, they are tanking, dude. They're not going for that play-in tournament. Like, they're giving up. Uh, they've been sitting Halliburton all over the place. They want to know what they have with guys like Nembhard uh, and even Neesmith at times. So we'll, we'll see who gets the bulk of the minutes here. But I don't see the Pacers trying to win anymore. They already hit their over-win total uh, that was projected for preseason in February. And I think they were like, that's good enough. We got an all-star uh, and we got our, our win total. We look better. We finally won more than 30 games again, unlike last year, where it was like the worst you know, season in team history. So they're pretty much good on this season. And I think Pascal has still got something to prove to get his team into the playoffs. So I'm with you on that one. And I'm going to finish up with a guy I kind of talked about a little bit on Monday in that Bulls Philly game. We didn't pull the trigger on him because you were right that, that you thought Zach Levine might have a little bit of regression after some, some pretty high numbers. Now we go back to to the well of, of him bumping back up after a bad game. And I think that's a, a little bit more appropriate for him at home as well. Um, if you want for him 28 and a half points and assists, that's minus 120 on DraftKings. Go over that. And then the uh, the threes for him as well at, at two and a half, you get plus odds for him to make three uh, on DraftKings as well, plus 110. Looking at what he's done at home, like I said, a little bit better since the All-Star break, 30 points a game at home, four boards, about five assists, and that's all in that 31.5% usage. Um, he's making more than three threes in that time as well with a blistering 47% from deep. Um, and then against the 76ers, who, as we know, not very good against guards, specifically shooting guards as well. Last six versus Sixers, uh, going back to last year, 28 points a game, five boards and four assists. That's on a 32% usage right around where he's been at um, at home this season and, and since the break. Uh, his last six versus the Sixers, four threes a game at 43%. Um, and, you know, that's a little bit skewed. He had a game where he went 11 for 13 at Philly um, and, and got obviously that percentage way up, but still, you know, he's putting them up, right? Like nine and a half, three point attempts a game versus Philly over the last five uh, as he's able to pull from there, you know, pretty, pretty relentlessly. Um, and Philly's allowing the seventh most points per game, the ace most, most three pointers made two shooting guards over their last 15. Um, they're just worried about scoring on offense on the road right now, especially putting up that 130 offensive rating and like 128 points over eight games. Like that's, that's how they're winning right now. And I don't think they're as concerned with a guy like Levine going and getting his. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised at the plus odds here for three threes. It seems very low. Um, I would even look at alternate for him to hit four threes. Um, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd go any higher than that. Like, I mean, I do think that 11 three pointer game against Philly is is an anomaly to a degree. And Philly has been good guarding the three point line. They would be a little bit better 
if Melton and Milton are playing more because Harden's out. But I still think Levine, it, you know, he's been really hot lately. He's been really good against contenders um, shooting from deep. And and that that is still the Sixers' weakness is the backcourt, especially if Harden's playing and especially if Harden's dealing with a little balky Achilles as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what Harden or not, like he and Maxi, they're they're still on that of that offensive guard mindset, uh, and so I think there's going to be opportunity for for Levine tonight. I mean, DDR too, like Demar, it's, it could be either of them, but I think Levine's a better case to get um, points and the uh, the assists, like you talk about in this one. So that is all the time we have for you in this one, though. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. Check out the other couple of game videos we have on this big slate for you guys tonight. And until we see you next, happy betting. Stop, stop, stop.